0: Welcome to the Reseller Entrepreneur, the podcast for reseller hobbyists eager to turn reselling into a successful business. Learn from Mike and other reseller entrepreneurs as they share their experiences and tips on running an online business. Here's your host, Old Fashioned Mike. Welcome to the show. That is a... I think I cut in too early. Thank you for joining So, uh, just wanted to give you a little update. Uh, I've been, uh, obviously, you know, I've said this for several weeks. I've been trying to switch up my inventory, get out of the clothing business, uh, largely because of space, but also because of prep time and measurements and things like that. Uh, some other reasons for that too, which I can go into a little bit too. Um, but I just want to give you an update. It's going really, really well. Half of the sales, so about 50%, just shy of 50% of the sales have, um, have started to come in, uh, in the new product. So, um, I have about 5,000 listings in clothing and I have about 1,000 listings in this other product. It took me about a week and a half to do actually probably, let's call it two weeks, two weeks. It's taken me to get up to about 1,500 listings, actually not 1,000, 1,500 listings, Sell-through rate 6.7%. And I think I said that before. I probably need to update those figures, but it's right around right around that, there still. Um, <clears throat> but you could see that uh, my sales have actually gone up per uh, per sale or poor excuse me number of sales per day have gone up quite uh, quite extensively up, up another couple per day, which is great. Um, so I guess the, really the moral of this story is really just to say you know, find something and do it. I'm starting to begin to believe this too, is that clothing is really a beginner's game. In other words, this is, it's a great place to start. And, um, but it's not where you want to, where you want to end up if you're going to scale, because I'm just starting to realize that, well, let me step back. You could still scale. You just need to have people to help you scale a lot more people to help you scale. Cause you're not going to be able to do 1500 listings in a week and a half or two weeks. Uh, in clothing it's just not without having 10 people helping you. I don't know about 10, but quite a few. I, I the most I've ever heard of somebody listing in one day is a hundred. Um, I don't remember who I heard that from, from some YouTuber, but the point is, is that, um, a hundred listings a day is really simple to do if you are focusing on small items, uh, and, uh, and no measurements, measurements are the big thing in clothing. So anyway, I just I don't want to dissuade people from uh, staying in clothing, but I'm starting to realize and you know this is a journey for all of us here. Uh, you know I didn't I think if you remember I didn't start the podcast you know this year or last year was it last year last year um, saying that uh, that clothing uh, you can't scale clothing. I think I was the exact opposite. So we're all learning here. So just again, I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it again. I'm not dissuading you if you are a clothing seller. There are a lot of clothing sellers out there um, that make a good living doing this. Uh, in my particular case, in order for me to scale up, the numbers started to not add up unless I hired a lot of people. And, so, um, and I decided that I don't mind hiring a lot of people if they're going to bring that much value, but the reality is they won't. So one of the things I worried about in my new product line is whether or not I'd be able to get the, uh, the average cost of sale to be equal or better than what I have as a, uh, close seller. But, um, I found that, um, my average selling price has only dropped by about 80 cents. So that's really not a lot, not a lot at all. Matter of fact, I'm starting to see and a lot less negotiation too. Interesting. When your buy costs are so low in the collectibles market, and I'm not doing baseball cards, as you call, so baseball cards is the exception. I think that you can buy low in in, in sports cards, but it's just it's harder. But in my uh, collectible market, my buy cost is fifty cents now, and I and and frankly, there's no negotiation. If I'm asking twenty bucks for something, and somebody comes in at ten. Seldom, I think, at two times in this last month that I've been running this, that I've gone back and say, "Oh, I'd like fifteen dollars out of this." Normally, I just take ten, you know. And is there a mark? Am I reducing the market there? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I am. And, And as an early seller, you know, I'm probably leaving some money on the table. But the reality is, is that when your margin is so huge, then. You uh, don't mind actually just taking less for it. Whereas if you buy something for five bucks and realize after shipping and all this stuff that you're only going to make five bucks um, in addition to getting your old five bucks back in the buy sell double money cheat sheet that I've talked about a million times, you know, the reality is, is that you, you have to, you really perseverate over every single negotiation. I mean, it's, uh, you know, now, you know, (laughs) I don't. I, I, it's it's unbelievable. It's like it's all of a sudden I've discovered gold. Now so there's a lot of people that are going to go out and say, okay, Mike says go out and just get out of the clothing business. And you know, no, I'm not saying just jump out of the clothing business and de- get into any collectible. Find something you like. Maybe not even collectibles, by the way. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, renewables or maybe it's whatever. But, you know, maybe renewables are the way to go. And an example of a renewable might be like printer toner cartridges, for instance. You know, if you like doing that, great. Do that. But do something that you know where you can get a lot of inventory. There's not a lot of negotiation. There's not a lot of returns. I mean, in fact, I haven't had one return. I mean, imagine that. Not one. I get three or four returns. My, My return rate in clothing is 4%. Um, and I'm still selling clothing, by way. I'm still, I'm just not listing new clothing. So, cause you know, obviously you don't want to just get rid of all your inventory. I hear people doing that. Um, when they say they've moved out of clothing, they say, Oh, I just got rid of all my inventories to make room for all the other stuff. Well, okay. You, you know, maybe that's good for your business, but you know, if you've already put in all this effort, that, that, that effort is what they call sunk cost in accounting. And you know, the problem is is that all that all that that labor that you put into it to now just say well that labor's not worth anything and so i'm just going to get rid of all my inventory you better get a lot of money for that inventory that you're selling to to uh, other ebayers uh, I, I didn't do that what i've done is leave it in my warehouse. And as I sell it, I just pack it up. Now, what I am doing is running sales so that I can get rid of the inventory. Cause remember I'm moving at the end of the year. So I want to make sure that I don't have to pack massive amounts of bins, uh, in a truck. Cause that's going to cost me three or 4,000 bucks if I do it. And it's about 10,000 if somebody else is going to do it. And then I got to put it, reassemble it and put it, uh, inventory in my home in Florida. So uh, I don't want to have to do that. So what I'm doing is I'm just running sales, running sales, running sales, you know, 10%. I think a week ago, I upped it to 15% and I, there's still the negotiation though. That's what really kills me. (laughs) In fact, a lot of times I'm sending back responses saying this is already heavily discounted. I'll give you a few dollars off or something like that. It takes time and, and I'm not doing it that on any of the other things that I'm selling in the collectibles market. So, so clothing is a beginner's game. Why, why do I say that? Uh, Well, actually, that's that's not fair. It's a beginner's game and an advanced advanced game. It's a beginner's game in the sense that it's readily available and easy to find and so on. So that's low hanging fruit, but advanced people, people who are really good at it, who know brands, you know, could find vintage stuff and stuff like that. That's a different that's a different person. I'm not really re- referring to that. If you are able to go in and find a bunch of stuff in the, especially in the women's clothing uh, Chanel and, and uh, Gucci and, and and be able to verify and you know that it's real and you're able to hunt and get really, really hot sneakers and things like that. That's a different thing. If, if, you, if you're good at that and you love doing it, do it. Um, that's, unfortunately you're going to have to scale. You're going to have to hire people to do the rest of your business for you, the listings and the shipping and things like that, because you're going to be a valuable resource. Um, what I do is I, I hunt for collections and go to shows and things like that for my collectibles. And then I, um, then I basically, I, I basically try to get my lowest buy costs, uh, possible. I have a cap of 50 cents per item. Um, and then I just, you know, go out and and um hunt for them and, and then I buy thousands of them at a time. So I'm sitting on probably about fifteen thousand or so, I'd say. Fifteen or thousand or so different collectible items. And by the way, they fit in a shoebox, five hundred per shoebox. I mean, you know, so the reality is is that fifteen thousand takes up probably as much as a bin, if that probably even less than a bin. Uh but I could probably fit 15,000 of these into a bin that would normally fit 30 pieces of clothing. So the reality is, is that I don't, I don't, you know, they're not listed yet. I'm still working on listing them. Um, but I can get it done. I do. uh, I've, I've done 1500 listings in a week and a half, like I said, and, or two weeks and a half, I keep on going back on that whatever it is, it's not very long. <laughs> so, so the reality is, is that I'm able to do that a lot quicker. And it's so nice, you know, being able to, to take this and put it in a scanner and it scans and scans and scans. And I'm able to actually pump out that many listings and it's in using templates and eBay templates, not cross listing. And all the things that you have to do as a closed reseller, you have to cross list. If you're a closed reseller, if you don't cross list as a closed reseller, you're, you're, sell through rate goes way down. Right. So I'm a, uh, cross lister, um, in collectibles. But the difference is, is that my, uh, the other websites that I use to sell my collectibles, um, have automatic integrations with eBay. So they, they basically post on eBay. Um, when you post them on this platform or vice versa, I use eBay as my is my standard. So I don't have to worry about using list perfectly or vendu or any of the others to be able to cross list. Now, again, close lister, you must do that because you're not going to, your sell through rates going to drop from like, well, mine was about eight and a half percent. Let's call it eight and a half percent. It was 14% at the at the before the pandemic, but eight and a half percent now. And, um, you know, if I didn't sell on the other platforms, it would probably be like five or four percent. And, uh, on certain items, especially, uh, you know, and I've stopped selling on Macari altogether. I've pulled out every single listing off of Macari cause, uh, because Macari is, um, turning out to be quite a pain, uh, lots of negotiators on, on Macari and my average selling price on Macari is lower than on eBay, Poshmark, and even Grailed. Grailed's been pretty good. Poshmark's been really good. eBay's always really good. Um, but Macari just not. And, um, matter of fact, I bought something on Mercari, and the seller sent me half the items that I purchased and then, cl- and then basically said it was delivered. And then I've been fighting with Macari to intervene and they won't. And so I basically said, well, listen, you know, I'm getting a few sales off of Macari, uh, cause if you're not constantly listing on Macari, you get less sales. Um, and, so I basically just pulled off. I said, you know, I had 3000 listings on there. I just yanked them all off. And I said, you know, it's not worth the, you know, dozen or so, um, sales I'm getting. You you'd think it would be, but it's really honestly the heartache of going through and negotiating and sending out the offers and things like that. It just, it's not as automated as eBay. Um, neither is by the way, Poshmark, but there's a lot less negotiation of Poshmark. And of course my my margin on Poshmark is is pretty good, so I so I decided, and it's not on Macari, so I just basically jettison Macari. You're done. Now Macari is, has a Macari Pro uh, that's coming out that I applied for, and if they do accept me, maybe I'll relist them on them. But they say that there's an integration, so uh, on Macari Pro, and I, I don't know if that's what it's called, but. So I've applied if they come back and say, Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll take you on that one. Maybe I'll rethink it, but that's only because it's automated because once you get to a certain level, once you get to a certain number of items, you can't, It it's becomes very, very hard to cross list because there's no automation between those, um, those platforms. Now if you use if you do use Etsy and eBay for instance, different because then you have some you could your you could use like cell uh cellbrite I think it's called and that, that has an integration with both and they it coordinates everything and it updates every 15 minutes. And that's the kind of really cool integrations they have. And the reason why list perfectly and Vendoo don't do that is because Macari currently doesn't have an integration. Poshmark doesn't. And maybe, maybe that they're a public entity now, maybe they will, but become come with one. And if they do that, then that, that'll be a changer for a lot of people, I think. But, but the reality is, is you need a Vendoo or a, or a list perfectly. And of the two list perfectly is better in my opinion. Uh, Vendu looks nicer. I mean, uh, but I find the functionality on, on list perfectly um, gets better and better um, as time goes on. And, you know, and if they do finally have integrations with all of them where you could basically, it's, you don't have to intervene with delisting and, and cross listing and stuff like that. I think then that's, that will change that dynamic. But today um, I'm kind of stopped. That's not my game anymore. And I think, if you really want a a scalable business that you have to get out of the multiple listings game, unless there's automation. Okay. But if there's no automation list perfectly is the way to go. And if you're in clothing list perfectly is the way to go because of all the integrations with the clothing platforms. So, um, so no disparaging any of those tools are great tools. Even Vendu is it's, even though it's not my favorite of the two, it's still uh, still not a bad tool. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. So that is a very long winded update. Um, Now, one thing I did say at the onset is uh, that there were other factors in my determination to get out of clothing. And besides uh, besides storage, storage is the big one though, but um, in scalability, but The other thing, of course, is that I'm, you know, 54 years old and I'm chugging up and down ladders all day, getting inventory out to ship out or place into bins. And boy, it's tiring. And I just needed to get out of that. Um, You know, I could easily say, well, you can hire somebody that's in their 20s to start doing that for you and stuff like that. But then, you know, that's the piece that actually is the easier part that I wouldn't want to outsource to somebody else. So there's a few things that I think that you need to stay Involved in, and there's some disagreement in this, but this is for me. You want to stay involved in your business. Number one, sourcing, finding, finding inventory, and the reason why you want to do that is because I think the closer you are to the buy of inventory, I think you, you, one, you're going to make better deals. Number two, you're going to have better um, idea about pricing. Uh, number three is you're going to keep on learning your craft, and so that it's going to be much easier to. Um, to move, uh, to move and get the right inventory. And most importantly, if you outsource it, um, I think that, well, I think the person you outsource it to is going to start to figure out that they could do this on their own. And then you're, you're going to constantly look for outsourcers. So that's just my opinion. Now I know that there's buyers, there's people out there, YouTubers, especially that say, well, you know, I, I get inventory from other people and that's how I get their inventory. Uh, I, I do too. um, But they have people hunting for them, and I think that's okay. And if it's working for them, just do it. For but for me, I just feel, especially in the collectibles market, you really don't want to do that. You don't want to give you don't want to show uh, somebody who is your could be your direct competitor in the same markets in the same areas you're looking at. So, one of the things that the YouTubers don't do is they don't tell you who these people are, they don't tell you how, um, you know, what their sources are and where they get this stuff, because if they did that, then, then they, other people like me would go to them and get stuff and then they wouldn't have inventory to buy. And then the, their YouTube videos wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be uh, very exciting because, <laughs> because I'd be stealing all their inventory. Cause I'd be walking in with big dollars, trying to, trying to buy it all up. So they'll never give you your sources. Just like I won't, that's why I don't tell you what I'm in right now. Now, if you know what my, stories, you're going to go and see. So, I mean, you know, I probably could tell you and maybe a year from now I will, um, or, you know, six months, whatever, but, but, um, you know, they don't really be all their sources. And I wouldn't want to do that, um, to, uh, people who would source for me. So that's why I don't want people to source. So what you want to, you, you definitely want to do the sourcing where I think that you could train somebody to do it. And there's no trade secrets involved, if you will, you know, like shipping is a good one. Uh, even listing, um, you know, having somebody list uh, all the way up to uh, to a draft and, and you know, you could t- teach that and I don't think that's a problem. Um, you could teach that and then um, you basically would go in and put all the pricing in or maybe you put, I don't know, you know, that's kind of a, people would debate that too. Um, but I think that really the key, where the, where the money is, is in the buying, it, the pricing and stuff like that, you know, if you just say, you know, you have X and this is what you sell it for. You know, I think that, um, that's something you could teach and that's something that I think that wouldn't ruin your business. Nobody's going to, if they don't know where to buy it in the first place, or they don't know how, how, uh, the sources that you have, I think that that's the dangerous part. But if they don't know them, then I think that listing is kind of like a, a teachable thing. And that I think you could outsource. I mean, that's why I used, uh, outsourcing in India for for doing my listings of clothing to kind of grow quickly, but I think in collectibles the nuances of each collectible. I mean, there's just so many things that I think that'd be difficult. So um, what I used to do a lot is I would have uh, I would do all the pricing in list perfectly from uh, when I had Hammock uh, do my listings. So they would go in, put it in. Uh, they would I would put it in a form. They would actually then put it in list perfectly, I would basically play with the numbers on what I wanted to sell it for. And then I'd have them push it out. It was, it was kind of a process It worked out very well. And, um, and you could do something similar if you want to do your listings that way to not give the secret sauce uh, for your pricing strategies. Um, but I, I think that's, that's less important than the actually, where do I get the product? Because once you've given up that source, then what ends up happening is then you, they'll, you, you find a smart, kid that comes in, you know, maybe in college that you hire to do something and you say, well, will you source for me, they source that they've, then they will realize, especially if they are dealing with any kind of money, they'll realize what, you know, how to buy these things and they're just going to compete with you. So, I mean, and there's plenty of competition out there as it is. So, uh, I mean, even in any market, really eBay has got so many sellers on every single category. You don't want to be in a situation where you're just adding another person, especially if they're buying from the same sources as you are, okay? Because all they need to do is then say, well, I'll pay you a little bit more than Mike paid you, and then you've just lost your source. So that's the only thing that I think, well, certainly in my area, but I think that's the only thing you should never do. And that's what the problem is with thrifting, by the way, is that if, especially if you hire somebody, a local, to help you. Uh, list or help you even source. I mean, the reality is, is even that is, is every, anybody can go to a thrift store and buy something mean, if you're in the right area, of course, But can go buy a thrift store and you know, you're not negotiating a thing. You're just buying what the price tag says it is. And you come back, you just, the only thing, knowledge you need to have, and, and it's limited knowledge because you have a iPhone and, or, a, or an Android and you can look it up on the eBay app. But you know, the reality is, is that anybody can do it. So that, again, and going back to the beginner's game. So my directive to you is to go out and find find your niche, find find the area, find the collectible, find the renewable, find the whatever it is is that's going to fit that criteria because once you can create a business that you can keep in your home, All those expenses and all that travel and all that information, things that you do that take you from point A to point B, you eliminate that from your schedule. You have a lot more time. So one of the things that's been great about this and moving this is I buy this stuff online or I, or I go to a show and I do a concentrated day of, of of shopping and, but I buy thousands of things at a time. So I won't have to do it very often. And so movement so I, I'm a. Uh, in my past, I you know I worked on business processes, uh, and one of the things that they teach you when you're improving business processes to 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 limit movement. So the less a person has to move, the more efficient they are in completing the task. I mean, of course, that's a very broad comment, but but that's true. So if, so in other words, if I'm driving from here to a thrift store and that thrift store is, you know, 20 miles away or 50 miles away or whatever, you know, all that, all that time other than listening to podcasts like this one, um, I don't really have, um, the, um, ability to source. I don't have the ability to list. I have to, you know, so in other words, that's downtime. That is, that's time that you're working, but you're not productive. So I I've eliminated that. And I would say that was probably 20% of my time that I was doing a week, you know, call it yeah, 20%. So I eliminated 20% of my work. Now, mind you, I have to do a lot more sourcing online, stuff like that. But it, but I, I can tell you since I buy more at one time that I don't spend a lot. A matter of fact, right now I can't even buy more because not because I can't fit it in my warehouse. Cause I can, um, but you know it's going to take me probably 6 months to process it if I bought two more so too much more so i'm kind of holding off and you know if i look see things but i sp- i spent maybe an hour or two a week now sourcing as opposed to several hours a couple times a week okay so you get the idea cuz my old flow if you recall was during the week uh, or excuse me on saturday i source On Sunday, I ship a little bit, you know, so that I don't have a ton to ship on Monday. And then basically Monday through Friday, I do nothing but basically photograph, measure, and list. And I could do 30 to 50 a day. Okay? So now, think about that. So now, I eliminate my Saturday. I Sunday, I still ship. I mean, it's just a habit. I don't have to, but I do. Um, And then Monday through Friday, I list. But the thing is, is that since I've eliminated that Saturday, I can enjoy my Saturday now, right? I don't have to go out and I don't have to go to a thrift store or a or a garage sale and try to find stuff. Now, maybe I will eventually. Uh, I don't now, though. And if I do, it's going to be kind of a fun thing. It's not going to be because I know where to buy now in bulk. It's very easy to buy. I mean, in fact, I even source on eBay uh, because I know who to buy from and I keep in contact with those people. And, you know, and basically I, I send them, you know. Hey, do you have any extra inventory you want to get rid of before you list it? And then they do a private listing for me. And uh, what's nice is I'll take everything that they have. So I negotiate a lower rate and then the stuff I don't have, I just basically bulk it up and sell it to other collectors on eBay who do collect that particular item that I'm trying to, you know, that I don't, but it came in a lot. So, so I bought something about 5,000 or 6,000, I think 6,000 of those collectibles I talked about and you know, I went through them and I, I basically lotted up three uh, uh, lots on eBay, sold them, and I made back probably about half of the money. Not but but not half. Probably yeah, you know, say thirty to forty percent of my money back, even before I've actually taken the stuff I really wanted and then basically sold that. So all of these things much more efficient than clothing. Okay, I mean, you're not. I mean, imagine if I did the same thing in clothing, I ordered a pallet of clothing. It comes in. Now I got to open the boxes. First of all, I have to have a place that they could drop off because a pallet of clothing is essentially what I'm buying. I'm buying a pallet of collectibles, although it's not a pallet. It's it's a it's a lot of collectibles, but it fits in a much smaller space, obviously. So a pallet of clothing I order. And then I come in and I have to process all that. So I have to measure it. So it's going to take me months to do that. I remember having to do that when in the beginning of the coronavirus, I, I ordered, you know, a thousand, I think, or so shirts that came in from some guy in Ohio. It was great. Actually, it, it, it allowed me to not have to go out and source when we couldn't. And so the point is, is that it took me months to go through this stuff where I can do it in days. Um, so that's, that's where your brain needs to go is where, what am I going to find? What is my sweet spot? And, and then, you know, if you don't have the knowledge, get it. It's very simple. There's always books. There's always YouTube videos. There's, you know, people you could talk to that are in the industry. You can go to shows if they have shows for it. Um, you know, you get what I'm saying. Do the work up front. Then the work afterwards is going to pay dividends. I can't believe if I would have started all over again, I think it was good that I started in clothes, but I would have cut clothes off a long time ago, just a long time ago. It just, uh, I just, real, I would. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even have a warehouse, I wouldn't need a warehouse. a Matter of fact, I'm kind of interested to see how little of a space I can get into when I'm in Florida because I know it's it's going to be much better than what I have now. So find find your sweet spot put the, put the mental power into it and go for it. Okay. So anyway, that's good. That's it for this week and we will see you next later has ended, but your journey towards turning your reselling hobby into a business doesn't have to. Head on over to oldfashionedmike.com for more information and tips on running a successful reselling business. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Until next time.